listening to the Heritage Film Club podcast show. It's three lads chatting about a movie that one of them forced the others to watch. If you're looking for an in-depth analysis of your favourite movies, boy, have you come to the wrong place. My fancy British accent is as smart as this show will ever sound. These guys barely know what they're talking about. It's time to sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome to the club. Now here are your hosts, Mike, Brian and Clayton. Welcome film fans to episode 13 of the Heritage Film Club. This week we're discussing The Shape of Water, which was Brian's pick. Let's roll into a summary. In Cold War era America, a mute cleaning lady at a government facility forms an unlikely bond with a classified asset, an amphibious human creature. When she learns that the fishman is going to be dissected in the name of science, she hatches a plan to break him out and set him free. Right, so, Brian, your pick this week? It was. And let's run through some stats and then we'll get on to the chat. So, The Shape of Water came out in 2017, was directed by Guillermo del Toro, who of course did the wonderful Pan's Labyrinth, Mimic, Pacific Rim, Blade 2, and many more. Pacific Rim, yes. Yeah. Uh, starring Sally Hawkins, Doug Jones, the always pleasurable Richard Jenkins, Michael Shannon, and Octavia Spencer. This movie had a budget of $20 million and grossed $195.3 million at the box office. Holy crap! All right for a sexy fish movie, eh? <laughs> right, it's got 7.3 on IMDb and 87% on Metacritic. And as always, we'll throw it over to the floor for Rotten Tomatoes. I think this one will be a, an easy guess, but critics or audience? Critics. I reckon kind of close for both, I think. Yeah, I'm going to say both as well, like somewhat even. Okay, Jared was right. So <laughs> critics gave this a high 92%. Wow. Audiences gave it a respectable, but not high, 72%. Hmm. So okay. there was quite a gap, but I can see it. Mm. All right, so quick rundown of some of the many accolades this movie got. 13 Oscar nominations, winning four two of them the big ones damn yep so we got best production design and best original score and then hit the jackpot with best director for Guillermo del Toro and best picture it got seven golden globe nods one two best original score and best director 12 BAFTA nods winning three including best director and 14 critics choice awards winning four it appeared in pretty much every major top 10 list for that year including the American Film Institute Top 10 Films of the Year, and was the second ever fantasy film to win Best Picture following Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Hey, quick question. What's the difference between um, the Academy Awards and the Emmys? The BAFTA is the British people, eh? Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the difference between the Academy and the Emmys? Because they're both American, yeah? Emmys is TV. Oh, but they still give movie uh, trophies out for movies. Not at the Emmys, at the Golden Globes they do both. Oh, sorry, Golden Globes, sorry. So Golden Globes is both. Yep. Um, and is also like a precursor to the Oscars. Oh, okay, okay. Different organisation or? Different organisation. Oh, okay. And generally speaking, uh, if you do well at the Golden Globes, there's a high likelihood, but not guarantee, that you may do the same at the Oscars. Oh, okay, cool. 
So award season goes through the BAFTAs, the Golden Globes, and then sort of ends at the Oscars. Oh, okay, cool. But that, sorry, I, I just never knew that what the difference was, that was all. Now you do. So that's your learning for the week. So it's done out of the way fast. So, The Shape of Water. So, Brian, you picked the movie. Do you want to lead us off? Sure. This was my second watch of Shape of Water, um, and I picked it as I always do, I looked at the ones that we've done just leading up to, and I like to kind of, you know, not stick with the same sort of theme or the same tone or anything like that. And so I picked it sort of on that basis. And also, I just really wanted to see what you would all make of it, particularly Clayton, to be honest with you. I wanted to see what you made of the fish man. Oh, I think we all did. <laughs> <laughs> we know what our audience wants. Yeah, and, and the f- it was the second time I watched it through, to say. And the first time I watched it, it was one of those ones that I get every now and then where I have to kind of think a, a little bit at the end and decide whether or not I liked it. You know, it was kind of, not really on the fence, but it was one of those ones where I had to think about for a little while, and I decided that I liked it. I really enjoyed it. Did you like it more on the second viewing? Because you knew we were going in? Probably about the same, but I think I enjoyed it in different ways because I was able to look at at some some things and try to remember some things without kind of trying to figure out what the movie was about or where the movie was going which I did on the first viewing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I like to do that sort of thing too. And um, yeah, so it was it was watching it from a different perspective. And yeah, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the characters at least as much the second time around as I did the first time. Cool. Yeah, that was really the key for me was it was all the, the, the character stuff, which I guess we'll come back to. Nice. Okay, we're going to save Clayton for last. Let's be honest. It's a sexy fish movie. We're leaving Clayton to last. <laughs> so... Jared, what do you think? I think I'm sort of the same. Likewise, it was the second time watching it. I enjoyed it as well. Like, really nice story and same sort of thing as the characters were really good. Some really likable characters, some really, really unlikable characters. But yeah, I I really liked watching it. Cool. For me, it was my technically first time all the way through. I had started it previously and for whatever reason had to stop it and never went back so i'm glad this was picked because it forced me to actually sit down and watch it and i just love pretty much everything about this movie there's a few things that i could have done without that'll come up i'm sure but i loved everything like this just the the world that was created the production design the cinematography the acting the score the special effects, the directing, but it was the complete package. Only a few niggly little things which have nothing to do in terms of, or wouldn't tarnish the overall package, but and just personal preference. But I loved this, and Michael Shannon loved that dude and everything, even though he's a similar character most of the time, but he plays that character so well. Yeah, Richard Jenkins, as I said, Always a pleasure when he pops up in a movie. I really like that dude. Uh, And Doug Jones just knocked it out of the park once again. As we've said before, uh, definitely between Brian and I, he was a great silver surfer. He was another fish man uh, in the (laughs) Hellboy movies. Of course, uh, popped up in Pan's Labyrinth. And he was in Batman Returns, which we did on the podcast a little while ago. So that was pretty cool too. And haven't you met him? Yeah, Brian and I met him uh, at Armageddon, which is a pop culture convention that they hold here in New Zealand. It was actually a really good day because we got to meet uh, Margot Kidder, who played Lois Lane in the Superman movies. And as we shuffled along the table, Doug Jones was there as well. We got to meet him and 
can honestly say, and I think Brian will agree, super nice dude. 100%. Also good to shake his, his hand, and that man, I think, has the longest fingers of anybody I've ever seen. Well, then that fits for these roles then, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's some, that's some serious actor fingers. He's a super nice guy. And he even liked our post on Instagram. Shout out for uh, when we announced we were going to do this movie. So in the one in one in one zillion chance that the podcast actually gets listened to by by Doug Jones, then uh, we'd love to have you on the show. Mr. Jones, serious fan. Come on. Serious Come on. fan. Um, and you can choose the movie. So <laughs> since that's not actually going to happen, we'll move on to what everyone's been waiting for. Clayton. Okay, well, I the, good. no, no. The the thing with Brian's movies are like I don't watch a lot of. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't watch a lot of movies, as people know, on this podcast. With Brian's movies, I don't Google what the movies are about. I just go in blind. That's probably good. Yeah, and it was an experience. A good one or a bad one? It was predominantly good. The, yeah, I'll get into it more as we get into the podcast, but it was predominantly good. Okay, well, that's the quick roundtable. So, Brian, do you want to go um, give us your, your deeper thoughts on The Shape of Water? My deeper thoughts on The Shape of Water. Some of these are formed from me thinking, and I will, uh, for full disclosure, uh, say that I do have, I did watch this on the Blu-ray version, and so I watched the special features afterwards, and so there's one or two <laughs> things that have popped up out of that that I've been thinking about. But the... Yeah, the, 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 the characters in this were really the, the key for me. You know, Michael Shannon being know, the bad guy, however you want to put it, as it even says almost in the, in the opening, the intro to the movie, the monster. Well, you know, it's in a movie like this, it's, it's not, the point isn't that the monster is the monster, if you like, but the man is. And you've got all these really interesting characters who are kind of marginalized in their own way for the time, you know, early 60s. And it's all about them, really. You know, it's all about Eliza, and it's all about her friend Zelda, or Delilah, as Strickland likes to call her, and Giles, each in their own way. They're, they're, they're marginalized, and they're, you know, they're kind of invisible in that respect, and so it's it's all centered around them. And then, of course, there's the Fishman, who in fact doesn't even have a name. And it's a fairy tale, and it's a love story, and there's all sorts of, I guess, drama to it, you know, and suspense with, you know, do they get him out? Do they get him to the water? What happens at the end? There's just a whole bunch of stuff going on with this really amazing mix of characters, and as Jared was saying, like you know, um, you, you, Mike, you were saying as well as like you know how it was shot, and there's there's, there's color, and it's just the environment of it. Yeah, it all came together just to be really interesting to me. And looking at just little touches from Del Toro, which I got to see second time around, not having really had the capacity to focus on it the first time I watched it details of the sets and just the, the color and, and all of that kind of thing it all came together for me really really nicely yeah it was a really nice package like every part of that production worked so nicely with every other part of that production yeah and it just made a really nice i didn't even know how to explain it like an enveloping world <laughs> like you could actually you could believe it even though it was heightened but just every little touch like down to the laundry vans and their sign writing on the sides and everything. Just, yeah, it was it was a very good production. Just this amazing amount of detail. And even the way that it starts off, um, you, you start off with the, this, the the voiceover narrative and Eliza's dreaming and you're in the water and it kind of flows you into the movie. And that probably sounds like a really cheesy thing to say, but you do just kind of flow in there and then you're right into, into her life and into her world. Mm. 
and then she goes to work and just the and you see her on the bus and then Zelda's there and she's just talking non-stop and just, the whole thing just picks up pace and you're away and I think it just sort of drops you in there really really in, in, in a really interesting way you start meeting all these characters and and Strickland and even from the first time that you see him you just think this guy's bad news I felt like from the beginning right through until she gets to work so that includes that floaty opening title sequence mm-hmm. and it includes her going to Giles apartment next door yeah all of that right up until she gets to the facility was very Tim Burton-esque to me okay it's interesting I just was getting this yeah. yeah this really strong Tim Burton vibe yeah which is not to take away from Del Toro because he's got definitely his own his own vibe and his own style going on oh completely but it just was just giving me these sort of Burton-esque feelings yeah. up until that point yeah it's yes yeah, this there's just lots of different elements you could sit there and I think kind of pick apart. Um, it's the the interaction, I suppose. You know, me, I really like character stuff, and even some of the bits that are really captivating. I thought was when when she's interacting with the with Fishman. Really need a better name for him, Doug Jones. Um, I think he's Amphibious Man amphibious in the credits. Man okay, there you go. Sexy Fishman. Or the Asset. As yeah, right. well, I've yeah, seen him called the Asset. And she's never frightened. You know, the whole time she's just intrigued. Hmm. And then it all just becomes about communication and finding the way to communicate in lots of different ways. You know, she starts to sign and teaches him to sign. Well, doesn't even teach him. He sort of picks it up. Well, he kind of picks it up. Yeah, you know, she gives him the egg and she, he makes a, she makes the sign for egg and he picks it up from there. And, and Egg. Yeah, egg, exactly. Which I can't remember. And I should remember because it's probably like a really simple gesture. It's um, like your hands crossed in front of you. Cross over. Yeah. Though at least we've learned how to sign at least one swear word from this movie, which I think is... is it's, a, it's an educational experience. How to I like spell that it a out. lot. Totally how to spell it out. Um, that was a great scene. I do wonder what the actual sign for it is, but I'm digressing now. Great scene. Yeah, and then you know that they um, communicate this through touch, and there's all sorts of different ways. And, and these, I guess, characters finding ways to communicate, or some of them not. You know, because Strickland's just on a path. I'm sorry. I'm kind of all over the place with this, <laughs> floating through the water. But yeah, that that was really the key stuff for me was that it was just. Um, some very cool interactions and, and fantastic sets and lots of little moments you know the moments in the diner and then when she's at work and that great scene where they're trying to get him out you know with the uh the israeli popper i think it was that's right that yeah. short had all the power you know there's, there's lots of stuff going on in that movie and it just picks you up and it's, it's just a ride i think for mine it's, it's really a very cool ride this is probably about as lucid as i can be on this movie right now no, that's good, because then we'll get into conversation as we go anyway. But yeah, that's really good. Jared, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, firstly, I, I really love that sort of Cold War aesthetic of the whole thing. I like the look, mm. like the real big clunky metal machinery or that sort of thing. Yeah. I always love movies like that. That that sort of um, sort of period in time is really nice. Um, like Brian was saying, the just all, all the characters, especially for the time, they're like the marginalized characters that didn't really have a voice then and you they get to tell their story here and you can really like feel for them you can empathize with them even the um dimitri the russian spy like he they're always the villains in those sort of movies but you can really enjoy him as a character as well hard yeah yeah he's like, really sympathetic isn't he he's a really sympathetic yeah. character yeah i like also um movies like this it's hard to put into one genre like there's so many elements from different sort of genres like there's obviously kind of this fantasy there's sometimes horror there's heist as well there's the whole heist it's like 
romance as well. It's like, um, I don't know if you've all seen Parasite. I think it's sort of similar to that where it's hard to mm-hmm. define it under one genre. Yeah. And I do yeah. really like that where it sort of borrows from everything. Yeah. And just, yeah, obviously, just so, so many characters that are like, well, like Giles, especially. I mean, how can you not love him? <laughs> know, right? He's just such a nice character. <laughs> I know. But he can't be not nice. It's No. Like, I mean, the, the actor as well was just like, <laughs> I think that's the type of character he plays. And then, like, the pole opposite Strickland is just... Yeah. You just hate him so much. He's he's just so evil. It's That's generally Michael Shannon's characters, though. Oh, yeah, I'm a big Michael Shannon fan. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of very few highlights in the Man of Steel movie was his General Zod, yep. for my money, anyway. Not saying he's, he's up there with Terrence Stamp, because that's a whole different Zod, but... For the movie we got, he was definitely a highlight in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. One part with him, sorry, I found quite funny was the the scene where he buys the Cadillac. Yeah. And he's like telling himself he's not going to buy it. And then I think that the salesman says, oh, you look like the man of the future. Yeah, and then yeah. the next scene, he's driving the car. It just says so much about his character. Like the image he's trying to push, what he's trying to be, that that's mm-hmm. all it takes to get him to buy the car. Yeah. And even though he's a complete dick of a character, you just can't take your eyes away when he's on the screen. Mm-hmm. He he commands the performance, man. Like, when, mm. whenever he's there, he's... Yeah, it's it's a powerful performance. The scene where he walks into the, into the bathroom when they're cleaning it. Yeah. And he sort of walks in and it's... You know, he's just, he's just very present. And he's not at all bothered by the fact that they're there. No. Yeah, I think it's it's a really it kind of sets him out really early on as to as to who he is, the alpha. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, all of that. at the urinal with his hands behind his back. It's yeah. like, what? <laughs> and the whole the whole like a man should only wash his hands either before or after. I was like, no, <laughs> like what? That's uh, yeah. It was oh, he's it's a great character. Like yeah. he is a dick, and you you have to hate him, but it's just a presence. <laughs> As you say for Giles, it's like the, the one one thing I really liked was when um, the amphibian man he eats the cat. Mm. Oh my gosh, that took and, me by surprise. Yeah and, and, yeah, and then when Eliza comes in and he explains it and he's so forgiving of it completely, it's like, yeah. it's his nature. Yeah, hard. Cigar wasn't his fault. Yeah, he's yeah, an animal. Much. I was like, yeah, but he just ate your pet and you're a lonely dude with, you're a cat man. Lord of the Jungle. And, yeah, well, that's basically what, it, what he you know what he was thinking pretty much yeah and then and then the creature starts to play with the cats <laughs> yeah that. yeah I was like no no <laughs> oh, that was yeah that was good I think Sally Hawkins did an amazing job in this movie mm-hmm. probably helps that I'm not super familiar with other movies she's been in I've seen a few when I looked it up but you can really buy her as that character yeah. in mm-hmm. this movie and I think we talked about this possibly in The Greatest Showman. I can't remember which one it was. But, you know, if if it's an unknown or an unknown to you as the viewer who's cast in the role, it's almost easier to buy into the believability mm-hmm. of yeah. the character because you don't know any better. Like, I feel like if you watch this movie not knowing who she was, you would totally buy that they mm-hmm. cast a mute person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the standout was her trying to convince Giles to save the amphibian like she acted that so well for not being able to speak just like sort of facial expressions using her hands that was such a great scene 
yeah so spoiler favorite scene but um <laughs> yeah that it was a very cool um just the angry signing was was great and just the emotion she it's really was able to pull through without making without vocalizing it mm. yeah um, that's really cool yeah. and we've all talked about richard jenkins as giles he's just fantastic performance as well and we we shouldn't skip over doug jones because the way he brings that creature to life the way it moves around the apartment and and sort of crouches and just the way it walks and holds eliza and all of that it's, mm. it's really really nicely done mm -hmm. and the design of the character is fantastic it's it's really good it's like he was abe sapien and hellboy the other fishman character and this was like he's like the playstation one version <laughs> and this guy's the ps5 version oh. <laughs> it's like He's just in terms of the look of the character. I mean, like he's been graphically uh, updated, and it, it just looks phenomenal. That's really cool. Yeah, Michael Shannon. We've talked a lot about already. He's he's very cool as well. Octavia Spencer is not actually in the movie a whole lot, and probably isn't that pivotal to the whole story. But still enjoy watching her whenever she pops up and stuff. And obviously as an Oscar winner, I believe, in her own right. Yeah, and Michael Stuhlberg, uh, I'm going to butcher that name because it's German, Stuhlberg, was great as as Dimitri, uh, like we said before. A character who becomes very sympathetic pretty fast. And can I just say that that scene, and spoilers, because this is a newer movie, I guess it's still three years old, but when he... When Michael Shannon takes him down at the end, mm. when he realizes he's he's a Russian, and he has already had a a hole shot through his face, <laughs> and when Michael Shannon goes and picks him up <laughs> by putting the finger in his mouth and through the hole in his cheek, and yeah. drags him, uh, there are a few moments in this movie where I physically had to look away because mm -hmm. it was just too li literally gut wrenching, ripping his own fingers off. Ripping his own fingers off was one of them, and I was going to say, of the, the niggly little things I could say against this movie, I could do without all the finger ripping off. <laughs> and yeah, that, that scene where he pulls him by the cheek hole across uh, through the quarry, is, um, or the, the salt mines, I guess, um, is pretty harsh as well. But um, Dipping into the trivia on that, and you guys, because you and uh, Clayton certainly like a wrestling fans you can tell me if this is true or not apparently that move when you someone inside the the mouth like that you know maybe without the other hole in it it's apparently known as fish hooking yeah they do that in rugby and stuff oh well, they're not supposed to yeah, but... yeah i mean it, that's kind of the term for it and i thought well you know that's yeah. on point it's the shape it works with the movie yeah, yeah yeah and i thought that's just a weird thing but yeah that was pretty creepy that that whole scene that's actually a really good observation that's yeah. i hadn't even thought about that but yeah it is right that is the that is what that little move is called yeah, and then, yeah, like Jared said, the, just the whole setting, the, the Cold War setting was great. It gave you all the old vehicles, which I love looking at. All the old big clunky machinery in the facility. The chamber, they bring the asset in to the facility in, the water chamber. All of that stuff just looks on point. It's, it's really, it's very much a believable world. And I feel like this is a rare and prime example of someone being allowed to have a vision of a movie 
and execute it exactly the way they want mm-hmm. and then get rewarded so highly for it yeah like on the on the surface no pun <laughs> this movie does not look like it or does without watching the movie i mean you you wouldn't think this is going to be an oscar winner movie it's a story about a lady who can't talk forming a relationship with a fish man and then setting him free it's free willy <laughs> but you would be like no that that's just a genre movie for a certain crowd but he he pulled it off and he made such a great movie and as i went through the movie and i was watching it i was like yeah i totally get why this um, was nominated for for best picture and pretty glad it won to be honest so i really enjoyed this strong year too I looked up because I was, I was keen to see what else was nominated that year, and I haven't seen all of these, but I'm going to call a couple out here. There's three billboards, three, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, yeah, true. Get Out, Lady Bird, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk was that year. There's just there's a ton of stuff in here. Mm. Yeah, that's why I didn't think it was going to win. I was surprised it was nominated. Mm. And then when I saw what it was up against, I was like, oh, no, there's typical Oscar fear mm-hmm. out the ears in that category Hmm. Um, and for this movie to which is very very much a genre movie for it to win it it was great and i feel like that set the stage for parasite being able to win as Hmm. well because that also is a very specific audience and a very genre movie in its own way so yeah i feel like shape of water has sort of i guess you could argue return of the king although i feel like and lord of the rings fans are probably gonna curse me out but I feel like that was a sympathy win because there were three movies, that was the last one, and I was like, we have to give him it mm-hmm. this time. That's what I, I feel like. I, I wouldn't call it a sympathy Oscar. I'd call it a cumulative Oscar. Yeah, okay. That's I mean, a good one. I think it's an Oscar for the for the story, you know, for the whole thing as one big, really, really long movie. Well, you can't judge it by that because it's, yeah, like, it's only a third of the story, right? Yeah. I think Game of Thrones had similar, similar wins of the Emmys like that they maybe they didn't give them the emmys earlier on in the the series but once it comes to the end of the season it's like oh yeah we have to give them one they have to win at least one yeah and so i think it's it's a similar thing with with lord of the rings so that's why for my money i would say this is the movie that has now opened a door for non-typical oscar movies and it probably helps that the academy voters are aging out and younger ones are coming in so that probably broadens the the outlook as well mm-hmm. yeah, but i feel like this is what is going to help us get a more varied outcome i don't know my rambly thought <laughs> rambled away from me but you know what i mean yeah so anyway that's my thoughts for now we'll, we'll keep getting into conversation but come on clayton uh, so as usual well as has became a custom i sort of take notes going along while i watch the movie but my notes ended up being like a timeline of my thoughts throughout the movie <laughs> oh that's good would you like to to try and understand my mind as i'm watching along oh hell yeah Go ramble it up <laughs> all right so I'll, I'll just start from the start and you'll be able to pick up the parts that i've sort of commented on but first of all going into it not knowing what it was it's literally what the hell am i watching then it went to oh look there's a chick masturbating cool and then a lot by the way not just one time well you know this is after the first time she did it and then they replayed the day and i'm like 
oh okay that's her routine sweet as um and then it was like oh she can't talk okay that's cool so i know off the bat that she's a mute and then when they brought the container into the laboratory i was like oh there's gonna be a human in that that container hang on so you didn't even know there was a fisherman like it's on the poster no, well, I, you, like you said, it was a sexy fish movie, and I just said, oh, cool mermaid. So I was like, I don't know. Like, I was guessing it was some sort of like mermaid person. Okay. Um, but then, yeah. So I, again, I went into a blind. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to spoil it because I like Brian's movies. They're fun to watch. It's a no. <laughs> then I went, haha, fingers. Um, and then I was like, oh, it's a swamp thing. And then I changed his name to Fishman. You mean half her fingers? Yeah, because because they had the fingers on the ground. I was like, yeah, because I didn't know what his fingers off. And then you see the the guy or the fishman come up to the glass, and I'm like, oh, cool, it was him. And uh, then I've got he likes eggs, and then I've got this is a, this is a love story, eggs and music. She better f the fishman. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Then I'll, okay, well. Hey, happy endings for, hey, for you. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah, and then I've good. got cool scene. Um, Jared, as you said, the Cadillac scene. Yeah. Yeah, I love that scene because it was just like, to me, it was just like your middle class America and the guy's trying to sell you something to make your status a bit better. And you know what? You're going to take it. You're going to hop in that. And you're just going to ride away. And everybody, you're going to be the talk of the town. And then especially as he's driving it back, um, you get the people in the other car, look at him and sort of make eye contact with him. I was like, that's pretty badass. And then him smiling about it. Yeah. And I love uh, how the, the salesman had to convince him that it wasn't green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he used it straight away back in the facility. Yeah. yeah. Now, up until this point, the evil, the evil hand guy that I've called him, I, I was like, I like, I knew he was the bad guy, but I didn't hate him. But when he was gonna like, when he wants to like, he's telling the the mute girl that he's literally gonna rape her. I'm like, oh, I know, right? that yeah. you're evil now. I hope the fish guy eats you. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is good. Um, then I had, yay, Mother Russia. Even though Russia's bad, um, he's actually trying to help, which was the, the, the Dimitri fella. Yeah. Because of that, how Russia was like, kill the creature. But he's like, nah, 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 we'll, we'll set it free with you. The science is first for him. Yeah. And then I've got Fish Guy. He ate the cat. That's awesome. Because that's what would really happen. Good. Okay. Uh, fish ate a cat, though. Let's just get that clear. <laughs> yeah, but, but he, it's not a fish. It's a fish man. Yes, but I'm just saying that's the, the flipping of the the, the normal uh, Then I've got the fish man glowed, which was cool. Mm -hmm. Because up until then, I don't think you actually got to see him glow until he was, like, in the bathtub. I think that's right. Yep. Um, and then I put, where did they bath when the fish man was in the bath? Huh. Wow! It, it was just—it was just a question mark. Yeah, no, you're right. And I was I just like, we went over to Giles' house. Well, that's what I was assuming, but I was like, hmm, they didn't sort of make reference to it, so I'm like, ah. Oh. And then I've got she f the fish man. A <laughs> oh, did you write a like the yep. fonts? Yeah, and right. then I've got oh, I'm just gonna say oh shit, she f the fish man. She gonna have the fish man's baby. Then I've got, oh, she effed the fish man many times. What a freak. 
<laughs> okay. I mean, she floods her whole bathroom for she it. Does. Yeah. And I'm like, that is, way, that is a relationship right there when you flood the bathroom and, let's be honest, the theater underneath. Yeah. It's for that. And I love how strong was that door to withhold the pressure yeah. of that amount of water in the bathroom. And I, I just love the fact that you thought it was only once, all right? But then when she's telling her friend, the, the colleague who does the uh, does the cleaning with her, like meaning it, yeah, many a times, I'm like, ah, she a freak. <laughs> how good was her explaining how it works as well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and that's the one time you're like, I'm sort of glad she's a mute and she only has to sign this and not actually verbalize the whole thing. Oh man, oh, that was good. And also, when when Richard Jenkins, uh, sorry Giles, when he walks in and opens the bathroom door and doesn't get swept out of the apartment by the flood of, of water, and then he just sees them embracing, and she doesn't even care. She's just like, "What up?" And he's just like, "Okay," and he smiles and he's happy. Oh, it's the whole scene is just glorious, isn't it? Even like the looks she gives him over the shoulder and stuff, and it's just just brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> that that really that really sets a solid tone for a date night. Gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so did you keep going, Clayton? Oh yeah, yeah, I kept on going, and then I've got yo, your fingers are black, bro. And then I was like, Dimitri got shot through the mouth, and then he got fish hooked and dragged nice. along through the through the chin. I was like, oh, I really wish I lifted for you. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, no, that was good. And then I've got the finger man unhinged. He broke off his own fingers in the black lady's house, and he's coming. Run! You only thought he was unhinged at that point. No, no, like no, like he was unhinged prior, but it was just like I'm gonna rip my fingers off. This is how hardcore I am now. I'm coming for you, and I'm like, oh, that sets the scene. He's gonna come. <laughs> now, as I said at the beginning, this is where I was a bit indifferent about the movie because up until there, I was thoroughly enjoying this movie. Hang on, so you've had a fishman eating a cat. And, and seeing the decapitated cat. Yeah. You've had Fishman having sex with the human lady yep. multiple times. And this is where... Now, this, this next part is where I just like, nah, I'm out. So, okay. this is my next part. And I will, uh, I will put... I won't swear, but what I wrote was... Oh, if... Okay, he, he shot the main chick... Oh, he shot the fish guy. What a wanker. Like, the evil guy. And then I'm like, oh, haha, you're dead because the evil guy died. Yeah, well, when the fish man came back. Yeah. And now it's F off with the girls. Like, F off, F the shit. Uh, F the stupid ending. Oh, look, I'm a mermaid. Piss off. And what a waste of the last two minutes. Okay. Can I just say about that last scene? I feel... I didn't like it. I feel really dumb that I didn't figure out those were girls yep. until it happened. Likewise. First watch through, I was the same. When, he, when, he, when he pulls his her hair under the water and I saw the scars there, I was like, I'll piss off. She's going to turn into a mermaid. And then <laughs> she turned... No, no, no. But you see them decent, like the shape of them along the neck. And I'm like, oh... She, he's going to turn her into a mermaid. Oh, look, he turned her into a mermaid. Oh, look. He, he big turn her into a mermaid. I'm like, get out of here. 
he could have like done his fishman superpower and got the bullets out of her like how he did to himself but no he wanted to turn her into a mermaid he just healed his wound i don't think the bullets came out yeah he just he he just heals and gets up yeah he could have done that to her but no he wanted to turn her into a mermaid oh she was well no he's got two two systems inside him right so he probably could still live but she up until that point at least we assume is human so she was probably dead dead but yeah like what, what you was can your bring guy? her back as a mermaid but you can't bring her back as a human what the crap i know what were your guys um thoughts on that like what's your take was she always like a well let's just say mermaid for the sake of this yeah, they, they, they mentioned it earlier on, the fact that that she was that she was found abandoned. That's why she's got well, the last name that true. she has, you know, from being a um, Esposito. You know, being a, Esposito, exactly. And they talk about that, and it kind of, kind of gets dropped in there. Yeah, and and on my first watch through ages ago, I didn't I didn't spot the fact that the the scars are on both sides. He shows you both sides of her neck. For the yeah, scar. that's what made me feel dumb throughout throughout the movie. Was, yeah, exactly. You know, if it had been just been down the one side, you go, okay, I, I could, you know, you could, it's that's missable. But yeah, you see it on both sides of her neck, and they're the same. And, and yeah, they're gills. And they're shaped like uh, if you look at a shark mm. or something. Mm-hmm. You know, just the three slits or whatever. Yeah. Not like his gills, which are proper fish dealies. But yeah, oh man, I felt so dumb. <laughs> okay, yeah, pretty much. So what's your take? So you think she was always this sea creature? Yeah, yeah she she washed up, I think. Yeah, but she never really relied on on having to be in the water. I mean, you see her have a bath each day, but who doesn't? And then, yeah, you know, you don't, yeah, I don't know. No, it's kind of, oh yeah, from, uh, yeah, Clayton uses the proper term. I did see it written down after I'd read some some character bits um, after the movie, and it says she expresses her sexuality in the water. Which is what Clayton <laughs> said. That dog agreed with you too. Doc <laughs> yeah. was like, right on. Audience, Someone said great. Yeah. Uh, Let's hear from the canine. Yeah. Uh, no, you got to keep it. Um, host. One, one mermaid thing I wanted to point out before I forget it. Call back to P.T. Barnum in this movie, which was obviously who we mm-hmm. talked about in The Greatest Showman last time. When a mermaid is mentioned early on and Giles' character says, oh, I... I went to see a mermaid once. Turned out that it was only the top half of a monkey sewing to the bottom half of a fish, or whatever he says. That's exactly what P.T. Barnum yeah. exhibited <laughs> as a Fiji mermaid. A Fiji mermaid. <laughs> Dip, <laughs> dipping into my trivia here, Michael. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. This is good. No, this is good. Yeah, I clocked in at the same time. It's like callback. Greatest show. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, that's quite nice. I'm yeah. um, just timing-wise for us. I mean, it has no relevance to anybody else who's randomly watching movies, but. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was quite good. Bit of serendipity, oh. yeah, fully. All right. So, is that your whole ramble, Clayton? Yeah. So, like, not to give away my score at the end, but like, this movie was completely awesome until the last two minutes. Okay. So it's not going to be two thumbs. Okay. All right. And that, that that begs a question then. How would you have ended it? I would have just got the uh, fish man to bring her back to life with his superpowers, like suck the bullets out and healed her because he has that fast healing stuff, like how he healed the um, old man when he sliced him open Mm -hmm. accidentally, and then she can live as a human, and then she goes to the water every so often, and then the mermaid man comes, and they carry on their love story that way. Well, to be fair, if she was a mermaid the whole time, then she could have just gone with him if that ending of yours had happened she could have just jumped in and gone with them anyway i'm just like 
also wanted babies too. Like, <laughs> is she gonna have the baby? Like, what does the baby look like? Do you not feel though that that ending fits the tone of the overall movie though? That sort of fantastical tone, like correctly, as opposed to the more generic, no offense, ending that you're trying to rewrite. Yeah, or, or or you could just like turn around and the bad guy just kills everybody and then kills himself and then you're like, oh. <laughs> but but like no, I get it. Like like I get why you did it. I I I myself just didn't like it. That was you know. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, but it's good that you got all the way through that far though, with really liking the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like like legit. I was enjoying it because again, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but it held my attention. I'm just like watching it, going, "This is pretty cool. This is pretty out there. Like I could see this happening." Okay, <laughs> that's really good. But I was sitting there the whole movie thinking, I really can't decide how Clayton's gonna take this movie but i really really couldn't guess which way you're gonna go uh like it like it was it was fun it was enjoyable and like it like if this happened in real life besides the whole turning into a mermaid thing and it would can't let's say the government came out and we were experiencing with fish people when somebody fell in love with the fish person and they kidnapped the fish person because the people were gonna kill it and they sort of liberated it i'd get it it's sweet it's a fun movie. It is a fun movie. Even though the tone of it's not fun all the time, oh, it, yeah. is, this it is, is good. Going on. I'm really, really pleased that we did our really critical clinical dissection of this movie between the other three of us before all of that. Because Clayton, you should do that for a living. <laughs> yeah. You found your calling, my friend. You just need to do that for a living for every movie you see. I want to know your notes on everything you've ever seen. Yeah, this is how you need to do it from now on. I'm enjoying taking watch. notes while watching it. Like, just... just I don't little... take Do what you just did. Oh, yes. like my timeline. Okay. Yeah. Free, free flow your thoughts that's, that's on the paper. Clayton. This is like an, uh, a journey into the mind of Clayton. Yeah. I'm sold. I've, I've subscribed it's, to that. Especially that whole um, diatribe about how it ended. That was fantastic. <laughs> All right. So. And here I was thinking you're going to give me crap that I thought that she was a freak because she had sex multiple times with a fish man. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's established. That's, no. that's all good. I think that just seemed kind of normal in the context of this movie. We're going, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like nothing Day was nine. out of place. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It all, it's all, it makes sense in its own weird way but that scene i tell you that scene i hated that scene where the guy wanted to rape the mute he did um, yeah, yeah like because yeah, he's like oh you don't make sounds sweet as that's how i like it because then you yeah but then you go back to how he was with his wife where he's like telling her to be yeah. quiet i was like oh you're evil oh when he puts the gross hand yes. on her face yeah, yeah. when he had that scene with his wife and told her not to talk i was like oh okay like straight away that's he's thinking of eliza mm. and then that's proven in the, the next scenes where it's the rapey speech to her yeah that's he's a shady character i think one scene that was a little bit annoying like watching movies i try and like push away like oh that doesn't make sense i if it needs to be in there i'm like okay i can deal with that yeah. it was when Dimitri at the end is dying and he just like gives them up like, oh, yeah. you could have kind of yeah. you, you could have said just some random Russian names and that would have been fine but I mean I guess it has to there has to be a way for him to know and go after 
Eliza, but like, come on. You don't have to give them up like that. I took it more as like he was trying to belittle. Yeah, kind of mock him. Mock him, yeah, and say like, you think you're so good, you hit them right under your nose. You even dismissed yeah. them from from the interview. Yeah. And it was them the whole time. So you're not as smart as you think you are. Yeah. Um, that's that's how I took it. But yeah, I agree. At yeah. first I was like, oh, that's a bit contrived. But yeah. then I was like, well, actually, if you're, if you're trying to get a last jab in to the guy who's been a dick to you the whole time, that's that's one way to do it. And I guess it calls, it's a call back to that whole invisibility thing too. You know, because he dismisses them, because, you know, they're just not they don't figure in his universe sort of thing so you know of course they wouldn't do something like that they're even part yeah. of the option yeah okay well that was a very good chat about this wow. movie I feel mm. if I do say so myself but <laughs> you dear listener are the ones who have to decide if it was I guess but I think with that it's probably time that we go on to some facts which I'm sure you've uh, collated a few of that we haven't already trampled over there's still a couple Okay, shall we do it? Let's. Here's the facts. And again, thanks to our good friends at IMDb and people who post things that you can find on Google. They don't know they're our friends, but they are. <laughs> I think they'd like us. We like appreciate you. you. Clayton's a lot of fun. We appreciate you, yeah. <laughs> good. And for all of us old... Uh, monster movie buffs I suppose uh, the creature design takes a lot from the creature uh, from the Black Lagoon yeah. 1954 um, and Strickland Michael Shannon's character actually mentions that they picked up the fish man in the Amazon River and that's where the creature from the Black Lagoon is set yeah true that's oh, a nice callback okay. yeah so it's, a, it's a cool little callback on that I thought the theatre the that's down below that's underneath the, the apartment where apartments where Eliza and Giles um, live hmm there's a place called the Elgin Theatre in Toronto. Um, it's actually where the, the Shape of Water premiered, and they used that theatre for the interiors, interior scenes of the theatre in the movie. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Yeah. So, um, as this note here says, as the audience was watching the film, they were seeing the same theatre on screen that they're sitting in. No uh, way. That's cool. And that's pretty yeah. cool, I thought. Yeah, yeah. nice. It's Inception. Hopefully they're staying dry, though. Yeah, no, no. well, for the full experience, maybe they could have just tipped water on them at some point in the movie. Um, 4D. Yeah, total 4D experience, exactly. Sally Hawkins, who you're completely right to call out, um, apparently researched uh, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, uh, Stan Laurel, Oliver Hardy, and Audrey Hepburn for her part. Nice. Um, Guillermo del Toro apparently bought her a Blu-ray collection featuring those performers prior to filming. Of course, you've got someone like Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, silent movies. So it's all expression. Yeah. That's how you get everything across with, you know, no words. We should totally call out her her dancing too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her her tap dancing. And so it was very cool. And the scene where her and Giles do it together while they're sitting on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's fantastic. It's a very Chaplin kind of thing with with the feet tapping and all that sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah which is pretty cool um, yes we've covered the, the Fiji Mermaid which was a very cool uh, little call out Guillermo del Toro apparently wrote backstory for each of the major characters um, some of them apparently really really long and gave them to the to the actors and said um, study them use them or don't um, some did some didn't um, Richard Jenkins said that he ignored the backstory and he's saying that the only thing that matters is what happens on screen and Michael Stuhlberg um, said he read the backstory and found it very helpful and he incorporated a lot of that into his performance that he gave well then Richard Jenkins did a great job yeah just mm-hmm. it's, it's all happening right yeah. yeah 
yeah. I did find one one piece here. It was the only piece of, of alternate casting, anything referencing that, that I could find, saying that supposedly um, Giles' character was originally written for Ian McKellen. I could kind of see it, but I don't think he... Great actor, but I don't know that he would have done it better than Richard Jenkins. No, no, I don't. in the same way. No, I think the right casting was, was put in the movie. And then one to close it off, 10th of October was the date that uh, Eliza had marked down to help him to get back into the water. And there is one sort of lingering shot on the calendar for the 9th of October. And the 9th of October is Guillermo del Toro's birthday. Ha, very cool. <laughs> it's almost it's like a direct cameo. Like, like a Hitchcock moment or something like that, maybe. Yeah. 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 Nice. And that was the trivia. Nice, good trivia. So let's go on to a quick round table. Uh, let's start with Jared. Favorite scene? I mentioned earlier the, um, the scene where Eliza's trying to convince Giles to help break the amphibian man out. Mm-hmm. I also really, yeah. That was good, but then the actual heist getting him out was really good as well. Love a heist scene, and that was really great. Yeah, nice. Okay, Brian. Yeah, the the scene where she's it's just she's just full on signing and so intense. I was it was completely captivating. I thought she was fantastic in that. It's the most you hear from her. You know, the most she actually yeah. says in any kind of way. Everything else is you just you're watching her and, and she's interacting, and that's just her total communication in a movie which is about people having difficulty communicating. Um, so that was really intense. I mean, that was, that was probably my favorite. There was one I just wanted to call out, though. It, I, it bugged me for days after I'd watched it because I was trying to figure out what it meant. And there's the bit really early on where she goes she goes downstairs and she's waiting for the bus and there's a guy sitting on, on the bench at the bus stop next to her with a bunch of balloons and a, and a cake with a piece yeah. out of it. And I, I'm sitting there going, this means something. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what it was. So I failed and I had to Google it. And I found out what it means. You guys have probably figured it out immediately. And I'm daft. But this is what I found. And this is the, the, the quote from, from Guillermo del Toro. And he says, This guy threw a party nobody went to. And now he's going home with one slice of cake cut out. He ate it. And he's bringing all the balloons home too. I was trying to show that Eliza's not lonely. She's very happy. This other guy is lonely. And that really got to me. That whole scene, it, just, it was just pinging around in my head. And I really like that. Because thinking back on it, even through the whole thing, there's not point she's not pining for anybody. She's, she's really happy doing what she's doing. She goes to work. She's got a routine. She's in the bath. She makes eggs. She watches movies with Giles. And she's really, really content. It looks like she's content in her life. And then mm. this fish guy comes along. Mm. <laughs> so you could say she's alone, but not lonely. But yeah. then she's not even really alone because she's got Zelda all night and she's got Giles all day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like the fact that she that she can't speak. It's no barrier. She lives her life, you know. Mm-hmm. And then now I feel sad for the guy who's sitting on on the bench, having eaten this one piece of cake from his own birthday party and then gone home. <laughs> Where's his movie? Where's his cake movie? movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's Shape of Water too. That'll be a sad movie. Sexy cake man anyway um yeah, yeah that was just something I, that that stuck out to me and i just wanted to call out so that was me nice okay well i've already said my favorite scene and it's the same it's the angry sign scene because i almost thought she broke character for a minute when she's she was so angry that you know some sound came out which sort of goes to michael shannon's whole i bet you squawk thing but yeah no she just she's so good in that scene and also Richard Jenkins is as well so yeah that's my favourite scene Clayton I'd like to hazard a guess 
I just, no, I think have I, a game. No, no. I've, got, I've got three scenes. Okay. Masturbation scene. Yeah. Fish sex scene. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Yeah, those are my two guesses. Cadillac scene. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the argument scene as well. Oh, okay. Cool. I, I thought I, I was being I actually, enjoyed, that. I actually enjoyed that. Oh, good. It was very powerful. Well, that's a, like a clean sweep for that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice. Let's, also, sorry, just to cycle one back, I've forgotten again. The one where she's signing and he's interrogating them. And then, you know, basically she... um. Oh, the FUCK casing. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. And, that, yeah, she's just, she's so strong and Zelda's all but dragging her out of there. Yes. It's, it's really tense. You know, because you're really not sure what he's going to do, and she and she—they're all of them fantastic in that scene. Yeah, it's really nice how many people understand sign language in this movie too. By the way, because I feel like that's not common—not no. as common as this movie makes it out to be. I don't yeah. know, I but it's great when she can use it against Michael Shannon's character against mm-hmm. Strickland. Yeah. Cool. All right. So Jared MVP, Sully Hawkins and Michael Shannon, both of them are just fantastic. Cool. Brian? Yeah. Agreed. It's like a really strong Oscar lineup. It's um, who do you pick? But yeah, the, the, those two, two standouts. Everybody's fantastic in that. I'm going to cop out because I said it at the beginning of the show that every single person involved in this made it into what mm. it ended up being. And I think that without all of those different parts being done as well as they were, we wouldn't have got the movie we got. So it might sound like a cop out to say everybody, but that's what I'm saying. So, Clayton, Um, Eliza, because you didn't speak the whole movie, and like I didn't get bored. Like I was just drawn. I was like, wow, this is cool. And also Fishman. Yeah. Did you want to say any more about Fishman? Because it sounded like you had something to say. Oh no, just because Fishman's awesome. Like especially when he's outside and he's actually in full costume. Yeah, that's pretty legit. I like his um, vocalizations too, like his sounds that he make the clicking and and stuff. Like, because it would have been hard, yeah, to be in that like full body suit for what, X amount of time. It's like, yeah, yeah. Some of the behind the scenes, like I didn't watch any special features or anything like that, and I didn't do any research because I was leaving that to Brian. But some photos I did see, it was like legit, like a costume and a mask and stuff. I mean, was it was it obviously there would have been did, CG embellishment, I did, imagine. Yeah, the, the the upper half again. Thank you, special uh, special features. Um, the upper half was essentially was not quite the Green Lantern suit, but it's CGI'd. You know, the, there's the nictitating lenses and all of that kind of thing. Okay. So and so then if you if you think about how much acting Doug Jones has to do, basically with the bottom half of his face. Yeah. You know, for expression, all of that kind of thing, and of course the rest yep. of his body movement, that, that's pretty impressive, I reckon. So his face is painted while he's filming, but neck down, he's got that green suit on. He's wearing sort of the, the whole, it's the whole um, mold of the head and everything. Oh, and okay. Then, so there's those elements like of the, when the spines come up at the, you know, the back of the back of his head and on his back and everything, yep. and anything to do with, say, the, the eyes, the blinking of the eyes and all that kind of thing, that's all CGI. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so he's in costume, you know, and in the water in the costume, and I figure it's that's probably absorbing a chunk of water every time he's in there. What a trooper. Yeah, hell yeah. I was going to ask you, I thought it would come up in your trivia, and this probably is obvious, but did you read anything, or was it in the special features? Hmm. You know when Richard Jenkins, uh, sorry, Giles, his character, because he's an artist, 
and he's drawing the fishman. Yeah. Do you know if that was Guillermo del Toro's drawings? I didn't see anything about that, no. Okay, because I feel like they might be. Because yeah, he obviously is an artist as well, and he designs yeah. a lot of these things. Yeah, apparently he was heavily heavily involved in the design of the costume. Yeah. Um, but that, that's as much as I found. Oh, didn't you love how his eyes worked? The the eyes are fantastic. It was even one thing, that, again, on specials, my memory serves me correctly, he, he actually financed the um, the design of the suit. Nice. Himself. Damn. Yeah, to get what to- he total commitment to get what he wanted. Yeah. yeah. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah. See, like I said... It's like his his fanboy yeah. movie. He got to make exactly what he wanted, and then he got highly rewarded for it. That's, Dream project, right? Yeah. Would you do that? Like finance your own suit just so the the when I say the network, the, the film people can't go, hey, you can't use that because we paid for it, sort of thing. Oh, they still could. Oh, they, yeah. Depending okay. on the rest of the twenty million dollars, I guess they probably could. But yeah. Oh. It's, probably a decent it's a good a good strong card to, to hold okay but also at this point you've got a movie about a lady who's going to have sex with a fish man i don't think the costume is really going to bother anybody oh yeah but it's more it's more it's the story's more than that though you no know? of course it is i'm not trying to um boil it down to to as simple as that i'm just saying that from a studio executive point of view the costume would be uh, the least of your concerns going into this movie I guess. so do you reckon some execs like and she uh, bangs the fish man right yes okay greenlit sweet let's go hang on I thought you didn't want to boil it down to that one <laughs> no no but I'm just saying your example there <laughs> you've, you've got to be thinking though that this is not a movie that you make as your first movie though because if that's if that's your synopsis and clearly the pitch is going to be a little longer than that this is not one you can walk in and go okay never made a movie before but this is the one I want to make is this something that he it's like, is this something that he had in his back pocket that he wanted to make for a long time? Do you know? He is a huge fan of monster movies. Oh, okay. The Universal monster movies as well. Actually, I do so, have one that I didn't put out there into the into the trivia because I couldn't quite fit it in. But I'll give you this one here. It's from a quote from someone else who worked on the movie. I'm going to read again. I've heard Guillermo say that he was six years old when he saw Creature from the Black Lagoon. He loved the moments between the creature and the girl swimming and the obsession the creature has for the girl. But the creature never gets a girlfriend in most of those movies from the 50s and 60s, so that was his inspiration for it. So he's been sitting on this idea potentially uh, since he was six. Wow. Damn. To flip that story and have it that the monster is not the monster, and that's the story he wants to tell. Nice. That's a long time to sit on fan fiction, and I don't mean uh, that criticism by any means. That's a better way to boil down the movie. It's mm. that the monster's not the monster, and everybody has their own. Uh, issues with communication and yeah the american government is the monster always got to get political don't you clayton hey yeah. no but in essence it was wasn't it yeah yeah it's um i i don't do, do we want to we always do the um the superhero references oh yeah go on so obviously we've obviously there's michael shannon um obviously doug jones has played yes. a few i've just found also um michael uh stillbark who's dimitri yeah. He was the surgeon in Doctor Strange who saves, who does oh. the surgery on oh, nice. Doctor Strange. Oh, nice. Good, yeah, gift. that is a good. Gift. So yeah, that that's three. Wow. Nice, that's nicely yeah, done. So, well, actually, it's more. Yeah, because yeah, Doug Jones is um, Ape Sapien and mm-hmm. uh, Silver Surfer. And Surfer, yeah. Mark Shannon is Zod, obviously. 
Um, yeah, that's very cool. That was a nice um, deep cut, that one. Yeah. Just a random character. <laughs> nice. Okay, so I think if, if we're all done, uh, we can wrap it up. Thumbs, 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 thumbs. Thumb count. Thumb count. All right, let's do a quick score for the movie. We'll do it a bit differently. How many of Michael Shannon's fingers <laughs> will you give this movie? What hand? <laughs> well, the fingers. Yeah. So, out of two possible fingers, Jared? Um, I'll go one and a half. Okay. Brian? Two blackened, pulled them off at the end fingers. <laughs> but in a good way. But in a good way, yeah. Clayton, this will be interesting. Now one. Just one? Yeah, it was going to be two, but I hated the ending. But there was just yeah, me. That's, that's why I thought you'd give it one and a half. No, one. Like, it's enjoyable to watch. Go watch it, people. Watch it with Clayton. Oh. Apparently, that's the way to do it. Wow, that <laughs> surprises me. I thought it was going to be a one and a half. Okay. Yeah, no, it's two for me as well. Um, I, I would definitely go back and watch this movie. Very much enjoyed everything about it. Uh, except for the pulling his fingers off in the fish hooks but that's all right so hang on so what was that so that was one uh, from clayton two from brian one and a half from jared mm-hmm. and two from me good so six and a half out of eight right I'm sure i got it right this time <laughs> that's a good score i'll take that yeah we'll put it on social media follow us on social media we are on instagram at heritage film pod we are on Facebook at Heritage Film Pod, or you can search the Heritage Film Club. You can email us at heritagefilmpod at gmail.com. And we now have a Spotify playlist where we are collecting songs and score that are either from or inspired by, in the case of Falling Down especially, the movies we talk about on the show. This idea came from Clayton's brain and was realized lovingly by Jared, who compiled the playlist as it is so far. Thanks, Jared. No worries. I'm just waiting for the Team America World Police soundtrack to put on Spotify. Yeah, but I'm not sad that that's what's missing. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so go into Spotify, and you might already be listening to our show on Spotify, so you're already there. Save or like our playlist and give it a listen, and you get some, some pretty varied but pretty cool tracks, including some from this movie, The Shape of Water. So our next episode, we're going to do a bonus Christmas episode, one that may be a bit raw and not so edited just due to time. It's going to drop on Christmas Day. So if you have nothing better to do, or if you're stuck at family's house that you don't like and you need some distraction, it'll be there for you. Otherwise, jump on when you get back home and we will be discussing... the Arnold Schwarzenegger starring Christmas classic that nobody reviews and talks about. (laughs) Jingle all the way. So if you're a Sinbad fan, because we know you're out there, and if you're an Arnold fan, which everyone should be, then tune in and listen to us talk about this forgotten classic of the Yuletide season. Uh, That will be coming to you on Christmas Day, as I said. Until then, uh, check us out on social media. And for now, we are out. Loved what you've heard on this week's episode? 
Well, well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Thank you. That's the end, Frank, for listening.